Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman. I almost said Paul Moyer. He's not here. He will be here during the season. But Michael Bumpus joining me. And uh, as we teased ahead, Bump. John Schneider, how is it that he has not won Executive of the Year or GM of the Year? Somebody said it's like Michael Jordan, like he's so good every year, he's not going to get it. It always seems to go to someone else. And, and the award itself is kind of bogus because I know we were talking to Trey Wingo the other day on our show on Danny, Dave, and Moore, and uh, you know, he was saying, I think that... Bill Belichick hasn't won it since 2010, Coach really? of the Year. And I went and looked it up, and sure enough. Well, that's crazy. I mean, how many Super Bowls have they won since Yeah, that, that's crazy. Belichick should have had at least a couple by now. But yeah. I think Schneider doesn't get the love that he deserves, really, I think because it's regionally. We're tucked away in Seattle. If you, if you ask the average American, where's Washington, they're going to point east at Washington, D.C. People kind of forget about Seattle. It's a diamond-in-the-rough type city. And it's kind of like with with college football, too. Like, they're trying to bump the times up to 9 a.m. Right. so the East can get a, get a look at it. And I think that's what kind of happens with John Schneider. And then, since he's been so successful, you kind of get used to it now. You know, right. unless you're really diving in, looking at the numbers and seeing what he's doing, you hear about the moves, and you say, oh, that's Schneider being Schneider. And uh, people are taking it for granted, but he's made a lot of great moves, and this year it just exemplifies that. You know, you're right about the whole Seattle thing. I mean, the geographic isolation absolutely is a factor i mean there's no team that's more remote than the seahawks right and you know and i I guess like denver has a huge amount of fans just because they're kind of in the middle of the country when i played for the broncos it was unbelievable in the 80s and early 90s we would go somewhere you know as the the seahawks go to new york whatever there might be like two or three fans now this is back in the 80s when there wasn't the internet and all this stuff you know we had like dial phones and stuff but you know, when I went uh, to Denver just a couple years later, there were Denver fans everywhere. Yeah. So, but now Seahawk Nation has kind of grown and put this this city on the map. And you know, it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll bring this up because I think Richard Sherman is a guy that kind of put the Seahawks on the map. Mm-hmm. Like he started, you know, blasting his mouth out there, yeah. his personality, and kind of talked the talk. But then he went and walked the walk, and and. Kind of, kind of backed it up. But the other, the reason why I bring up Richard Sherman is whenever I think of John Schneider, I think of Richard Sherman, fifth round draft choice. I mean, he's the best corner in the league for a while. I'm not sure if he still is. I'm hoping Trey Flowers is that guy. Yeah. By the way, but you know, and what about Trey Flowers? I mean, look at the guys, and it's you know, it's John and his staff and everything. But you know, and it's Pete Carroll as well. But how do you get a guy in the seventh round? Uh, was was Trey Flowers or was he fifth? I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Anything after third, fourth round, a guy that is a safety in college and you bring him in as a corner and he plays there, it's just amazing some of the things like that that John Schneider has done. It just shows that he does his homework and he looks for a certain type of guy and he finds him. And the guy's that they look for are successful here. And that just shows he turned four picks into 11. Um, and now we have six guys who are going to make cont- contributions to the team right away on offense, on defense, or special teams. They just have a formula that works. And I think it's Schneider, it's Pete Carroll, and then it's the people they surround themselves with. Because they can't see everything. They can't look at every film and scout every player. Um, they send guys out to do some dirty work, and the guys bring some other guys and put them on the table, and then they start picking out and trying to find the type of guys they like. And I think 
with this group, it shows the type of personality that they look like, look for in a guy as well. Like, this is an enthusiastic, happy team. You know, they bring some young guys in who you can influence. Pete is great with young guys. Uh, it goes back to his SC days. He's really good with young guys. So they find diamonds in the rough, just like City. Seattle's a diamond in the rough. And when I grew up in California, I didn't think twice about Seattle. I didn't appreciate it until I moved up and went to Wazoo and used to come visit. So that's what they do. They find diamonds in the rough and surround themselves with, with good guys and good leaders. And, man, they've had a great run of great picks and getting guys for cheap, too. You know, they're, they're saving money with these late-round picks and these free agent-type guys as well. Yeah, and I think Schneider and, and, and Carroll, too, they've really been famous for getting guys out of college. And to your point, I, they started off with the number 21 pick. Now, that was their only, it was their first-round pick, the Seahawks' first-round pick, because they also got one from the Chiefs. But they end up trading that, and this is like, what, four, five trades later. What they end up with, the 21st pick of the draft was traded for 47, 64, 120, 132, 142, 204. Those are just numbers. But basically, it's six guys that they got for one first round draft choice. And the thing I would say is, look, these are, you know, fourth, fifth round. That's where they make their money. They, I mean, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, I mean, guys deep in the draft. Here's what they got with that one draft in the first round. They got Marquise Blair, DK Metcalf. Gary Jennings, Ugo Amadi, Ben Burkirvan, and Travis Homer. All those guys made the team. And, you know, however you feel about these guys, I know a lot of guys didn't see that much from Gary Jennings. But DK Metcalf, the way they talk about him, I mean, look, we're, it's a wait-and-see thing still. I love what we saw out of Marquise Blair. You saw Ben Burkirvan in that last game. But as far as getting its guys out of the draft, and not only that, you mentioned it, Mike, um, the the character. Yeah. And I talked to Mo Kelly, who's their player development guy, and he basically is in charge of taking care of the players off the field concerns. And he said these last two drafts are some of the best guys, and that's what you want quality, good guys, because you know, if you have all the talent in the world, but then you're a knucklehead like Antonio yeah. Brown, you're not gonna be able to do anything. And they've gotten not only, you know, good players that I think are gonna be part of this team for a long time, but good character guys and that matters when you get good character guys it's more fun to come to work you wake up in the morning and you want to go train you want to get in the meetings you want to go out and have the banter i walked through the locker room the other day and when i played it was 2008 uh we had a a real veteran type team Uh, there wasn't too much interaction going on it was real business-like and i walked through that locker room yesterday and i mean there's conversation everywhere the vibe is different the feel is different the music's loud there's more smiles going on and it's just really full of potential and you mentioned the guys that we got for that 21st pick marquise blair dk jennings amadi ben burkirvin travis homer all but like you said maybe jennings have flashed during this preseason, have showed you something to make you be like, wow, you know, Travis Homer, I think he only rushed for 900 yards his senior year, but he flashed this year. He showed he was explosive. Marquise Blair only played in a couple of preseason games, but he had a big hit. He made an open field tackle. So there, like I said, there's a formula. I would like to see the equation that they have on the board or on the table when it comes to finding guys late and finding guys that fit what they want to do inside VMAC. Yeah, and I was wrong about, actually, Trey Flowers is a fifth-rounder, but Chris Carson is a seventh-rounder. Chris Carson, you know, Russell Wilson was a third-rounder. K.J. Wright, a fourth-rounder. Doug Uh, Baldwin, free agent. Doug Baldwin, a free agent, and also Puna Ford. 
So, you know, and not only that, now the trade for Jadavian Clowney. Now, they did trade away Barkevius Mingo, Jacob Martin, and look, maybe those guys, and I wish them the best, and I know talking to our executive producer, Nasa Chovey, those are two of the better locker room guys that you ever want to be around. But, you know, you end up getting a guy who's a disruptor. I mean, this Jadavian Clowney's a special player. He's a problem for opposing offenses. So you trade those two guys away, and this is on the, the pro personnel side. You know, we're talking about college evaluation, which is way harder, yeah. right? Because when guys pick these fantasy football teams and they think they can be <laughs> GMs, well, yeah, the guy already made it in the NFL. <laughs> Try getting guys out of college. You don't know who, you know, who's going to excel and who's going to play well. I mean, Richard Sherman, I, I talked so much noise about him when I was – I'm a Stanford fan, obviously. I'm an alum, and he was terrible. And yet he get in the, he gets in the NFL and he's the best corner in the league yeah. for a long time. So you know it's really tough picking him coming out of college. But also on the pro personnel side, they do such a good job. And basically, what they did for Clowney, the trade that they got, they traded away Barkevius Mingo, who was going to get eh, roughly four million dollars mm-hmm. guaranteed. So they traded that four million dollars away. They <laughs> they trade for a, a, a draft choice for Jadavian Clowney, and they get Houston to pay $7 million of his $16 million salary. So trading away that $4 million plus the $7 million, you're basically, the net is you're paying $5 million for Jadavian Clowney for one year, albeit. But this guy is a disruptor. He's a Pro Bowl caliber guy. And he got him for $5 million. And what's sneaky about that move right there is that, one, you have Dwayne Brown who sold Seattle to Jadavian Clowney. Right. If Dwayne Brown wasn't happy here, if the Seattle Seahawks didn't have a reputation of being an organization you want to go to, Clowney's not even looking at Seattle. You know, So he made all those moves. He's, he's playing Chester, playing checkers. He makes all those moves and has created a culture that guys want to come to. So the fact that Clowney comes out and says, hey, these are the teams I'd like to go to, and the Seahawks were one of them, just speaks to the culture that he's developed here as well. It's Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. We're doing Hawks Live up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Coming up next, we're going to dive into our – we're going to hold your feet to the fire here, Bump. We're going to have to make predictions. Uh, who is Who are some of the underdogs on this team? Who's going to have the most yardage, touchdowns, and, of course, record? We'll talk about that next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live, live at the Snoqualmie Casino. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. And, Michael, we've got to make some predictions here. Now, these are always kind of fun. I mean, I, the whole record thing, that always, I know everybody does this. Yeah. Uh, you know, 10, 11, uh-huh. how about 11, 12, that kind of thing. But... I do think it changed when they brought Jadavian Clowney in. And and that, to me, all of a sudden, that one piece, it's almost like that leapfrog, like it was like two wins yeah. for them. Just because now, all of a sudden, you look at that front seven and how good the defense is. And, you, you know, look over on the other side. I mean, how many people have a good franchise quarterback? Not very many, and they have Russell Wilson here. What do you think as far as what's the realistic record for this team this year before the clowny trade i had them winning 10 games after the clowny trade i have them 11 or 12 i think it all starts with uh stopping the run and Pete carroll said that in his press conference it's all about stopping the run and 
they've gotten better at stopping the run. And what that's going to do is going to help the back end. It's going to help a Trey Flowers. It's going to help a Griffin. It's going to help a McDougal, a Marquise Blair when he gets his opportunity, and a Tedrick Thompson. If you can control that box and you add two potential pro bowlers on the outside, Puna Ford, who's the sneakiest guy in the NFL right now, <laughs> and then you have that linebacker core, um, you know, they are looking – Better and better. I feel like I feel like every month, every couple of months, they're like, oh, they might win eight games. Oh, they might win nine games. Every month, they've done something to make you believe in them more and more. So now I'm thinking 11 or 12 wins, man. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You, the moves, I mean, like you said, with Clowney, I'm exactly the same. I was like, okay, 10, maybe 11. Now it's maybe 11, maybe 12. And uh, I like the term sneaky because I would say also Michael Kendricks yeah. is a sneaky type of player that – and I guess what I would mean by that is, like, you don't expect that much yeah. from him. Mm -hmm. And now, all of a sudden, he's going to step up and be one of your guys. Um, you know, offensive, defensive player of the year, they have that. And they'll have it here as long as Bobby and, and, and uh, Russell Wilson exactly. are here. But, uh, but for Russell Wilson, you know, I asked him last Thursday during the broadcast of the last preseason game, I fell into this trap. I'm like, how can you get better? And, of course, the answer was, well, win more games and go to the mm -hmm. Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Russ. But what I mean is, like, for him, and, you know, he, he just said be more efficient. But to me, you know, when you look at efficiency numbers, for a guy who can't control how often they throw the ball, which Russell can't, they're not going to throw the ball a lot, it's about, to me, completion percentage and interceptions. Yeah. And I think the guy that he really looks up to is Drew Brees. Drew Brees last year was 74.4%. It's an NFL record. It's crazy. For single season, and a lot of that has to do with the penalties and things like that. But, you know, that's something. And he was 66 last year, which is great. Anything over 65 is good as far as completion percentage. So Russell can control that. He can get better. He can check into better plays. And I think with the play-action pass that he's going to be even more accurate. And then the other thing is interceptions. What an impressive deal. Brees who threw, throws the ball like 37, 38 times a game. He only had five last year. Yeah. Now, now, Russell had seven, which is still unbelievably good. If you're single-digit interceptions, that's really good. So, you know, I just feel like Russell is always a candidate to be offensive player of the year. I just The only thing I worry about him is the lack of respect. And same thing, we talk about the theme of the Seahawks, John Schneider, Pete Carroll. I just feel like he doesn't get very much respect and he does uh, it because i think he's a because he's too nice you know people <laughs> people don't believe him he's too nice and I, I think as you get to know him that's really just who he is and you talk about that 70 percent completion rate it makes me think about what you said to me the other day on the phone people worry about this receiving core because there's no there aren't any uh no, no experience in yeah that no room, resume right? Right. no resume but you said it russell's gonna put it at the right spot as right. long as they run the right route uh, they, they fill the zones. Russell's going to put it in the vicinity to where they can make plays on the ball. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. And what I like about Russell, he just seems more – he's always been a professional. But there's just something different about him this year. I mean, it's the way he walks out um, – to the practice field. I saw him. I don't know if he did this much last year, but if he if there's an incompletion, um, he's throwing the ball to the guy who who's yes. dropped the ball or, or that he missed, and he's talking to the guy. There's constant feedback between him and the receivers and the running backs when it comes to the passing play. So I think that alone, him making that shift, is going to help him uh, reach, hopefully reach that 70% completion rate. You're right. That is new. I mean, I, maybe he has done that in the past, but his thing on that was, hey, I don't want to – you know, it's like uh, how many times do you shoot hoops out in the street and you leave on a miss? Oh, you don't. You never. Yeah. You know, you always stay. Even for me, who's a 
chucker. You know, I'm going to be out there 20 times. I hey, don't make lie. It. You got a mid range. Don't don't <laughs> lie to the people. <laughs> I appreciate that, Paul. No, but I mean, you you want to finish with success. So yeah, that uh, I, I just think that kind of stuff, which everybody thinks is corny about Russell and disingenuine, maybe or things like that. That's Russell, and that's why he's a winner. It works. It works, man. And I guess the guy's going to be a motivational speaker when he's done playing because, I mean, he just has such a great attitude. Uh, another one, most improved player coming out of camp, and I'm going to jump on this because I'm afraid you're going to steal it from me, Bump. Okay. Most improved player, Ethan Posick. And I think it's really important because, you know, you got two big, really awesome guards in DJ Fluker and, uh, and Mikey Potty. And Yupati, a pro bowler himself, you know, three, four times over, but he has a tendency to not be healthy. And Posick was a guy that kind of just let things happen to him the last couple of years. And now I always put it this way, like he's grabbed the job by the throat yeah. and said, this is mine. I'm going to be, I'm going to step up. I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to own this job. He's a totally different person this year. Yeah. I would say my most improved and... People might hear this and say, oh, that's, oh, that's not true. He, he, looks, he looks good. He's looked good last year. Is uh, Chris Carson. Because I saw him do some things this year that I didn't see him do last year. Man, he, he I think it was a, a delay or something like that. He's running up the gut. He has a safety sized up. And he put his foot in the ground, went the other way, shook the safety. He's not known to shake guys. You know, right. He's a power runner. In, in college, he, lit, he squatted 600 pounds. And when I saw that, I was like, ooh. That's another dimension he's adding to his game. So I think most improved on the offensive side are just for me, it's Chris Carson. And he's going to get the ball in the pass game. They want to get the running backs involved in the pass game. And we got to see his hands. So I've seen his hands. I've seen him motion out in an empty set and catch screens or whatnot. And then just the wiggle that I saw in him yeah. got me excited, man, because uh, Walter Payton was good at this. He, he, would, he would shake you up, get you off balance, and boom, run you over. And I think Chris Carson is going to add some of that to his game. You know, that's a great pick. And, you know, it's a tough one when you say most improved because he was already really yeah, good, right? Yeah, he was already good. But did, did you see it at uh, Pop Keeney? And that scrimmage yeah. that we were both out there for? Because, yes. you know, I feel like downfield, well, he'll jump over guys. Mm -hmm. But it's not very often you see him try to make somebody miss. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you see that. Yeah, I think that's a great pick because, you know, I don't know how much the percentage, he, you know, I don't know if he's going to double his yardage or anything. <laughs> That'd be 2,200 yards. That'd be awesome. That'd be but, nice. Yeah, but... um you know, actually 2,300 because he ran for 11.50 last year. Oh, look at the radio math. How about Dang. that? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, gosh, the guy, I mean, he is uh, he, he's so good already. But, it, yeah, I like that pick. But how about, uh, how about as far as pro bowlers go? And, you know, maybe somebody, not necessarily Bobby and KJ, but maybe um, somebody who's a little bit of a, a long shot that you think will make it. A long shot to the pro bowl. Man, that's tough. You know what? I think the safe pick on defense, which isn't the, the sexy pick, the, the linebacker core or anyone on the defensive line, I would say is Bradley McDougal. I mean, he was one of the best safety uh, cover safeties against the tight end last year, and I think that's the next step for him. It's his fifth year, I think, in the, uh, in the league yeah. or something like that. Um, I think Bradley McDougal, I think because he's familiar with the system now, there's just, it's just different. You know when you come into a season, you know the playbook, you know the guys, you know the expectations, you know that you're the guy in that secondary and you have to make plays initially to get these guys going. And I think once he starts making plays, he's going to get in his zone and he's going to pop and be recognized as one of the best safeties in this league. Now, I'm going to stick with uh, the guys I talked about that were the sleepers at the beginning of the show and Michael Kendricks and, and Puna Ford. 
Yeah, I just uh, it's it's really exciting. You know, we were talking to uh, Ken Norton down in L.A. before they played the Chargers game, and the way he was describing Puna Ford was like he was a puppy. <laughs> you know, he's just like he hasn't been affected by all the money or the fame yeah. or anything like that. He's a really quiet guy. He doesn't have a lot to say, and he you know quite who he reminds me of is Cortez Kennedy mm-hmm. because he's not a body beautiful guy, and that's the <laughs> thing I love about football, man. You can have. All kinds of different body types. All types. Yeah, you look at Dwayne Brown. Like you look at Dwayne Brown and go, that dude is a football player. Uh-huh. And by the way, we'll hear him playing video games here with Taylor Jacobs coming up in the next segment. But you know, Cortez Kennedy didn't really look like Tarzan or anything like that. But he pretty much went wherever he wanted to go. So I mean, you can see a guy like Doug Baldwin, mm-hmm. who's five nine, you know, a buck ninety, and you can see him on the same field playing the same game with a guy like Cortez Kennedy or a guy like Puna Ford. So that part to me is uh, is really interesting about this game. Well, coming up next, uh, as we alluded to there, uh, Dwayne Brown is going to be playing video games with Taylor Jacobs, and uh, we'll see who gets the best. Uh, he's going to sit down, Taylor Jacobs is, with our Seahawks left tackle, Dwayne Brown. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Joining me, Seahawks left tackle, Dwayne Brown. We're going to play a little NBA 2K before NBA 2K20 comes out. And uh, I'm hoping he doesn't whoop on me too hard. Take it easy, all right? Uh, I'll do my best. All right. We'll start with some football stuff before we, we get into the fun stuff here. Heading into the 12th season. What's different about this year, heading into the season? Is there anything different this year for you? Not really. Um, you know, as far as my group's concerned, we pretty much have the um, returning line from last year, except for uh, Mike Potty, who's been uh, added in, um, you know, a couple new pieces on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Clowney, my guy from Houston, is here. Um, but the same goal, you know, the same goal is to win, you know, and, and I'm just always trying to improve my craft as much as possible. And so um, that's about it. Speaking of Clowney, you had a phone call with him this weekend, or I guess you've been in touch with him. What, what were you telling him about Seattle before, you know, the, the deal was made? Um, just talking about the culture here, you know, um, kind of what the locker room is like, the coaching staff. Um, just a great atmosphere, fun to be a part of. Um, you know, the, the, the city, the, the fan base, you know, the atmosphere on Sundays, something that I really enjoyed, you know, from a, I think on the outside looking in and once I was a part of it, um, you know, it was just amazing to be a part of, you know, and he was very excited about the opportunity, you know, and we had no idea that it would play out the way it did, but um, he was excited about the opportunity for it to happen. What specifically about Seattle did you just love telling him about, or were you excited to be like, hey, man, there's something about this organization that's a little bit different than where we've been playing before? I think uh, you can go to the... Oh, oh, uh, oh there it is. Oh, there man. I think just um, everywhere is work, you know, and, and you're trying to win, and there's you know, a, lot of, a lot of work, you know, but here it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, um, you know, and, and there's just... I think Coach Carroll does a great job of creating an atmosphere of guys that really want to improve uh, as men off the field. Just you know, just kind of you know the the presentations we have, the speakers we have, and 
Um, you know, it's a, the locker room is a brotherhood. You know, everyone plays for each other. It's not as divided. A lot of teams, you have the offense and de- defense are divided. But here, I think there's a, a, a point of emphasis to really create a, a brotherhood that everyone really plays for each other. What's so special about this offensive line group? You've been around 12, I guess, years of different offensive line groups and different, you know, people. What, what, what's different or special about this group? Um, I think the, 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 the guys that make up the line, we, we have a great mixture of, um, you know, youth and, and veteran, veteran guys and great leadership. Um, we have some big guys uh, that are very powerful and uh, can can take up a lot of space. We have athleticism, and I think uh, Coach Mike Solari does a he's a, a big part of it as well. I think he's a amazing coach, you know, and very attentive to detail. Uh, make sure that we'll over prepare for every game, um, you know. So just the combination of those things, I think, creates a pretty special room for us. NBA, you're a big fan. We're playing 2K currently as you're just whooping on me. What teams do you like? I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I've never had, like, I'm being from Virginia, I never had a team. I yeah. just followed players. So I was a Bulls fan, you know, when Mike was there. Uh, once he retired, I, I kind of followed Shaq. And uh, now it's LeBron, you know. So, uh, and I, you know, I live in LA in the offseason, so it, it's right that I root for the Lakers this year. But I'm also a big Rockets fan as well. I'm um, looking forward to this season, man. It's a lot of new new guys on new teams. Uh, I think it's more more spread out now, I think, last year. Yeah, what do you think about NBA free agency as a, as a fellow athlete? I mean, that's something you don't really get to see a whole lot. Just teams changing so much and stars changing so much. What, what, what do you think about the NBA free agency? It's amazing. I think, it, you know, this year has been one of the most exciting times, you know, ever. When you're just waiting to see where guys are going to sign. Uh, seeing Kawhi and Paul George go to the Clippers, seeing AD go to the Lakers, Russ go to Houston, like, you know, it was crazy. It's, just, it's wild. It's, it's great to see, you know. And so, like I said, it's more balanced now where before it was just kind of the Goliath, the Golden State, mm-hmm. and just trying to match up against them. And now it's, you know, you never know, you don't really know who's going to take over. Do you want to see something like that in, in the NFL, or do you like it that it's the NBA? It's, it's kind of set. You can watch it and be entertained by it. Or do you want to see, you know, more of that change? What, it's like guys just loading up on one team? Yeah. Nah, man. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, nah. I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I think it'll be, it's hard to do. It's yeah. hard to do. I mean, there's so much talent across the league, at, at, and it's, it's so many moving pieces. Like the NBA, you have five guys that have to do multiple things. And in the NFL, you have, you know, specific players that have a specific skill set. And there's so many guys that are talented. So, you know, it's, it's gonna, it would be hard to do that. All right, so we can't talk basketball. You mentioned MJ. You mentioned LeBron. The debate. The debate that rages on. Who do you got in the debate? The greatest of all time. We'll put Kobe's name in there just for the yeah, Kobe I, Yeah, Kobe. Yeah, got to put Kobe up there. Um, I gotta go with LeBron, man. Yeah, wow. I gotta go with LeBron. It's, and I, I'm I'm old enough you, to remember. It. I've yeah. seen it. I'm old around. enough. Now I say this. I yeah. mean, you know, Jordan was, you know, head. I think he was head and shoulders above everybody in his era. I think the NBA as a whole right now is just way more talented than it was back then, as far as athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you put LeBron. Back in the late '80s NBA, obviously the the the, uh, the physical 
physicality of it was different. Right. But they didn't have anyone that you can compare LeBron to. No. Like, no one is 6'8", 6'9", 270 pounds just jumping over everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't like comparing them because they're not the same player. Kobe is more Michael Jordan. I think LeBron is a more athletic, um, uh, better scoring Magic Johnson. I think he's someone that just likes likes to facilitate, but can score and take over if he needs to. So they're just different to me. But I gotta go. I think LeBron has the best. I think he has the best basketball IQ. Michael Jordan never had to play against the Warriors. <laughs> That's true. That's true, man. <laughs> and he came back against those Warriors. By the way, for those watching on the stream, Dwayne Brown putting the hurt on me at 19 and a half. Gone cold. Can't shoot from the left side. So that, that, that'll, that'll get you. Um, you play with a guy who's similar to a video game, Russell Wilson. What, yeah. What's it like playing with a guy back there and knowing what he can do um, at any given moment? Um, phenomenal talent, man. I think... Um, you know, he has a, a very unique ability. Obviously, he has a, a big-time arm. He can make all the throws over the field. I mean, best deep ball, you know, I think, in the game. Um, and you can maneuver. Uh, it's, you know, it's different. You know what I mean? When you're blocking for someone that's a traditional pocket passer, you know, it's, it's different. Um, and just knowing your depth perception and kind of where guys are setting up. Um, I mean, he... he he makes some amazing things happen, you know, and he, you know, he gets you out of some situations, you know, you know, we've had, you know, get a guy coming free or a blitzer that we don't get, doesn't get picked up. The first guy's never going to make the tackle. And as a, you know, you, <laughs> you it, it, take a breath, a, a deep, deep breath when you know that's not going to happen. Um, but it, it's amazing, man. I've always had a lot of respect for him. You know, we're from the same area. So, you know, having a guy from Richmond, uh, you know, form the way he has has always been I've always you know admired his ability so to be able to be here and be a part of it uh, I want to thank Wayne Brown for spending the time Taylor Jacobs really appreciate that all right coming up next from the Snoqualmie Casino and Hawks Live we'll wrap it up Michael Bumpus Dave Wyman that's next on Hawks Live Hawks Live every Thursday from 7 to 9 live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle You're listening to Hawks Live, live at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's beautiful up here. Had a nice drive through the woods, just like 20 minutes outside of Seattle Bump, and all of a sudden you're like out in the middle of nowhere. Beautiful drive out here, Snoqualmie Casino, beautiful. We went into the the Vista restaurant, some great seafood in there, steaks. Good cheese. Yeah, the cheese. You're not much of a cheese guy. I, I think I am. I just don't know much about it. You yeah, know, like it's, it's cheese. I'll, I'll try it if I like it, and then you know, I like it. Yeah, you're like me. I was like, there's goat, cheddar, uh, <laughs> whatever the selections are at Subway, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but hey, let's wrap it up here because, um, you know, it's funny. Somebody was just coming up and talking, Ian and Sarah, actually, who have come to Hawks Live for, for years now and asked the question, what do you think about this game this weekend? And I don't have a lot of respect for Cincinnati and just kind of the things that you, you hear from there is just, you know, like Andy Dalton, 2011, a lot of people really wanted the Seahawks to pick him in 2011, and he just hasn't really become that franchise quarterback there. You know, Danny O'Neill always says this on our show. I think it's it's really good that, you know, it, one thing, it's, 
one thing worse than getting the wrong franchise quarterback is, or you know, not getting a franchise quarterback is having the wrong one. Yeah, you know, the, a guy you think is going to be that guy, like Matthew Stafford, who's over in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and he, he, don't, don't, he always does just enough to get you in. Yeah, yeah, you right. know, you're like, oh, maybe next year. You know, we we see some progress in him. So yeah, I, I feel you on that. Yeah, one. Yeah, when we talked to Jeff Hobson uh, from CincinnatiBengals.com, I I got the sense he was kind of defensive of Andy Dalton, and I, you know, I don't blame him. I mean, he's a good quarterback, and yeah. he's a nice guy, and he does all this stuff in the community, everything. But you know, I from afar, you just go, well, the guy has not won a playoff game, and that's the thing about Russell Wilson. I mean, he is a winner, and I talked about this earlier with Russell, like. You know, he uh, <laughs> when you ask him about his personal stats and everything, he just talks about wins. And I know a lot of people think that that's phony and everything. That's, that's who he is. Yeah. And that's the reason why he does all the things he does and says all the things he says because it's hard to win in the NFL, man. Yeah, you know? why change now? He, it's proven now. He's been right. eight years in the game, and he's super successful. He's won a Super Bowl, been the two. One of the best passers in the league, even though the numbers may not reflect it because of the opportunities he has to pass. So at this point, you got to accept him for what he is, and that is a great franchise quarterback. Well, and the other thing, too, is I think everybody, now the guys coming into uh, onto the team, I mean, some of those guys that were here before him, Doug Baldwin, you know, and, and they had a good relationship, but, you know, some of the guys didn't exactly buy in to Russ because they were vets, and here he comes in, and I'll be honest, Russ is a bit of a kind of a boy scout, you know, and yeah. he, he came in and he had some suggestions for some of the receivers and stuff, and yeah, sometimes <laughs> vets don't like seeing that from a rookie, and, but I mean, that's just who Russ is. He's been very consistent. I'm always very defensive of, of him whenever anybody you know, says, well, you know, maybe he just says those things. No, he says those things because that's what he believes. And, you know, and that's the difference. And I just appreciate him so much because, you know, Bump, I was doing uh, pre- and post-game radio through those years where it was like Hasselbeck transitioning into T-Jack, and then we had Charlie Whitehurst for a while there, and Matt Flynn came in, and, like, it's so nice not to have to sit around (laughs) and complain about your quarterback. Don't have to complain about Russell and. I think you said it. He Russell's in a different place in his career right now. He is a, one of the faces in the NFL. These young guys have come in. They've played high school watching Russell Wilson play football. They were in college watching Russell Wilson play football. So the respect factors is something different. And I always look at the first time I saw Russell Wilson, I saw him in like some cargos and like a Hawaiian jacket with the Pete Carroll white Nikes on. And <laughs> you know he did, he looked like a rookie and just a different guy. And you look yeah. at him now, he got different hairstyle man his swag is different he is just the same person when it comes to work ethic um and and wanting to win but his uh his persona is just different now he's a he's a star now you know and he's one of the few stars who i feel have handled it um just with grace and he's the same person now you look at him the swag is different. The gear is different. He has a superstar mm-hmm. wife now, but the person seems to remain the same over the years. You know, the, the thing I liked the most was, uh, remember when he did the, the video about how he got his deal with Ciara? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then DJ Fluker and Tyler Lockett made that little joke video where they were yep. giving him a hard time. That's when you're like, okay, they love him, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, and when your buddies are giving you a hard time, that's when you know they love you, that's right? That's how you show love. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that to me, it was like, okay, now, you know, so there were some sent on this team about who the leader was and you know and that was the thing that kind of came with that super bowl is like how is the credit divvied up mm-hmm. who gets the credit for it was it the defense was it you know the offense was it the running back and so now you know everybody's kind of settled down this just seems like a really good team it's a happy camp and you know i just 
I feel like in, in Cincinnati, they got kind of the opposite of that going right yeah. now because, you know, Zach Taylor, you know, I saw he's 36 years old. You look at a picture of him and go, my gosh, that, that guy could be my son. Yeah. You know, I mean, he <laughs> looks really young. And, you know, they're trying to get the things turned around, kind of going with that uh, – yeah, the the theory now, if you get the young quarterback whisperer coach in there, like the guy in Arizona, like Sean McVay with the Rams, I mean, uh, you, you get those guys in there, and they can get your quarterback coached up. And, you know, look, I, I wish Andy Dalton all the best. Maybe this Zach Taylor can, can coach him up. But, man, it sure is nice to have uh, Russell Wilson here. And now, all of a sudden, you look at this defense – uh, this, I think suddenly after all these cuts and everything and the surprises and stuff, all of a sudden you look at this team like we talked about in the beginning, Michael, uh, 11, maybe 12 win game. Yeah, they team, on, I mean. on, on paper, they look really good. And the, go back on Cincinnati, um, Pete Carroll said thing that, the thing that makes them dangerous. Now, I, I think he thinks they're going to win. And, you know, when you talk to the media, you have to say certain things. But they don't know what to expect. Because it is, there is a new head coach. 16 out of 23 coaches are new. Um, the culture, he's trying to change the culture there. There's no AJ. So if there's anything that the Hawks are, I wouldn't say worried about, but they're considering is just the unknown. But when it comes down to it, end of the day, I look at their guys on paper, I look at our guys on paper, and I, I think we're ready to roll. And mainly because of the stability at the quarterback position. It's a quarterback league. I haven't, I think, uh, man, look back, what? Trent Dilfer maybe was a, was a quarterback that was carried by his defense. And that's another yes. reason why I can't wait for Russell Wilson to win another Super Bowl so he can kind of get out of that shadow that the defense carried that's a good him. good point. Because if he does it now, it's going to be because he played at a really high level. Yeah, and that's the thing. You look at the, the offense could be the one carrying this team. And I, I think that the thing that, uh, that really play, bodes well for them in this game against Cincinnati, the offense I think is going to get off to a, a much faster start than yeah. last year. They had a new offensive coordinator and Brian Schottenheimer last year and remember those first two games yeah he had the shiny new toy that was Russell had him chucking the ball quite a bit they weren't running the ball they averaged 69 yards on the ground those first two games then it just took off from there so now I think he knows what he has the other thing I was looking up at uh, Cincinnati's defense hasn't changed a whole bunch since last year they were 29th in the league against the run their defense so I, I think that sets up for the offense to start off fast this year instead of slow like last year. Yeah, I think they will get off to a faster start this year. Last year, um, Schottenheimer was new to Russell. Russell was new to Schottenheimer. I hear rumors that Pete Carroll was telling Schottenheimer, hey, throw the ball down the field more. So it was kind of like a tango going on to where they're, they're trying to fill each other out. They're trying to fill the rhythm and, and figure out where each person fits in this whole deal. And as the third and fourth week went along, uh, they got back to what they were saying they were going to do. We're going to run the ball 25, 30 times and control the game. And it's solidified now. This is who we are. And everyone knows where they stand in this dance, in this tangle, in this relationship. So going into week one, there's not going to be filling each other out. You know, sometimes when you're filling a guy out, you don't want to say something. and You might offend him or you don't know what his personality is like. And I think that's kind of what they were doing. You know, he doesn't really know uh, how to communicate with Russell. Pete's trying to learn how to communicate with Shadi. So all that stuff is over with. They know each other now. They're, um, you know, they're, they're in that second year of a relationship, and things change a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was actually a pretty painless. I mean, that only took for two weeks, yeah. right, last year. So that, that transition happened fast. The other thing I was looking at, you know, you look at the defense. We've talked about the front seven and how good they are. But, you know, on the back end, uh, maybe that's where they're the most vulnerable, the Seahawks defense. 
the Bengals had one play, one passing play of over 40 yards last year, which wow. was dead last. Wow. One! I couldn't believe it when That's I was crazy. looking at that. So, anyway, I mean, at least maybe that will give this defensive backfield, at least for a game, to sort of get their feet underneath them. Yeah, I like this matchup for this secondary. One, because A.J. Green's not going to be there. But they still will be tested a bit with Tyler Boyd, who received for over a thousand yards, and then the speed of John Ross. He's going to try to take the top off the defense. So I think they will be tested. Obviously, this is the NFL. Every week you have to come prepared. But it's not like they're going to see the greatest receiving core they've ever seen. They will see a solid running back in Joe Mixon, but nothing that they can't handle. And it's a nice little introduction to this. It almost feels like a brand new defense now. There's a lot of the same guys out there from last year, but with the additions and then the emergence of Puna Ford and Anza and uh, Clowney. I mean, it, it feels like a new defense. All right, Bump. I think it was a pretty good uh, week one for us. What uh, do you think? I like it. I think I it was think, good. I think they'll have us back. Hey, we want to thank everybody that was on the show. Our producer, C. Raj, Curtis Rogers, here uh, back in the studio was Brian Shoning on the ones and twos, as they say. Uh, Brennan Hutchison always just does an awesome job for us. Promotions manager, Jessica Kelly, and, of course, our executive producer, NASA Choby for Michael Bumpus. I'm Dave Wyman. We'll talk to you next week on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com.